Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, Andrea here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I am the author of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. And I just wanted to come on here before I go to today's program. Um, This is recorded in our private Facebook group. I go live every Thursday and... I just thought this was such a wonderful topic for the podcast here. It is everything to do with bittersweet. And I read this amazing book by Susan Cain and it is called bittersweet. And so I just thought I would include it here in the podcast. And again, if you are not in our private Facebook group, I so recommend that you go over there because, oh my gosh, we have such amazing, wonderful support and amazing individuals in this, in this group. We've all been through it. We know the pain that you are going through. Um, we are a wonderful source of support for you. So please, 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 I hope you come into our private Facebook group, um, where we can just come together. So you don't have to feel like you're doing this alone. So this episode today is taken from the live that I did today, and I hope that you enjoy it. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Hello, hello, everybody. I hope you're doing as good as can be. And I always say that, that I wish you're doing as good as can be because I remember when I was in the muck of things, my mom would ask me like, how are you doing? Or when I was like recently, like freshly out of the muck, my mom would ask, how are you doing, Andrea? And I'd be like, oh, I'm doing as good as can be because I wasn't doing good, but I wasn't, you know, I was doing the best I could with the situation I was given. So hello, everybody. I am here live. I come live every Thursday at 12 now. And um, what I love to do is just share something maybe that I've been reading or maybe sharing something from my book or just a theme that we have on the podcast. And so I'm just so grateful for you listening and being brave to put yourself first. Now you have to stay, I hope you stay till the end of this discussion because I am announcing we're doing this amazing me first challenge. And it's so fun. I'm creating the calendar right now as like basically as we speak just before we came on. And um, so it's 30 days. We're going to do a 30 day me first challenge from the first day of September, all the way to the last day of September. And so I hope you can be a part of that. One of the things that kind of held me back um, was I just wasn't putting myself first. I was always second to addiction, second to his problems, second to blah, 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 blah. And so how I took back my power, one of the ways I took back my power was to put me first. The day I decided to put me first was the day that I slowly started putting my life back together. So I want that for you so badly. So I created this fun me first challenge that we're going to do in September. So you can go to the website at savingyouiskillingme.com and click on me first challenge and sign up for it. It is going to be so much fun. So that is that. 
But today I wanted to talk all about it. Now, if you're here, if you're listening, if we have eyeballs, um, please, please, please just uh, you know contribute to the chat. Let me know you're here. Let me know you can hear me. Um, that would be wonderful. I like to feel like I'm not alone doing these lives and discussions. So I'm so grateful if you're here. All right. So the book that I read that kind of really resonated with me and I thought would be a fun one to discuss and for our community and, and almost help us with this idea of common humanity, um, the bittersweet that um, comes from loving someone with an addiction. And sometimes that bittersweet is actually what keeps us in a relationship when we love someone with an addiction. So we're going to talk about how sorrow and longing can actually make us whole. How if we didn't have the bitterness and the bitter, bitter, like things of life or sadness or grief or sorrow, then we wouldn't really enjoy or notice or have the sweetness that life has to offer. With that same token, it's almost like if we didn't have darkness, we wouldn't know what light is. And so this book by Susan Cain, it's called Bitter sweet, how sorrow and longing, they actually make us whole, uh, is such a good book. So if you wanted to, you know, get the full summary, feel free to go over to the website. I have the full summary that I will be uploading after this. And now this book is all about this idea that oftentimes we try to pretend that, you know, we're not sad or we're, you know, we're like grinning and bearing it and everything's okay. And, but the reality is, is that our culture, our Western culture kind of downplays grief. It downplays or diminishes loss and pain. It pretends, you know, that death almost doesn't even exist too. And so we are in collective denial is how she put it in her book. And we're basically closing ourselves off to sadness. But what she argues in the book is that when we close ourselves off to sadness, we might be also closing ourselves off to authentic joy and that it's really, really important. And in positive psychology, we talk all about all those uh, different emotions and how important they are and that it's not just toxic positivity with a smile and a brave face on going mustering through our day. Um, it, that's not what it's about. Life has ups and downs, right? We're not always going to be happy. Um, so. Imagine a world that was full of sadness and loss and suffering, you know, where everyone was positive and everyone was happy all the time, right? Wouldn't that be an amazing world? You probably think, yeah, of course, we all want that. But the sad part about that is if we were always having those days of happiness, we wouldn't have the contrast. Just like, you know, when you live in a climate that is snowy and cold, when you go away on vacation, holy cow, does that sunshine feels amazing on your skin. It's like such a contrast and it, it feels so good. So in her book, Susan Cain really teaches us that we often overlook the emotion of bittersweet. We often overlook how sorrow and longing can actually make us whole. Um, she argues that by opening up ourselves to this idea of bittersweet, basically where pain and joy can mingle together, um, it allows us to experience life to its fullest. She teaches us that um, when we show vulnerability, it can actually be a strength. When we um, have longing, it can actually be our guide. You know, when we're in sorrow, it can actually set us on a path to joy and fulfillment. 
So in other words, the bitter can actually create so much sweetness in our, in our lives. And I just think that that is so incredible and such a beautiful message, especially for us here in the SYKM community, because let's face it, it can seem really bitter at times. It can seem, you know, it can be hard to notice the sweet stuff, but what she's saying is that they can intermingle. And so she teaches us within her book too, is that we can reconcile ourselves. We can basically um, embrace the bitter and the bitter side of life can actually help us to live more sweetly. So I'm curious, like, are you thinking, okay, well, how can I embrace the bitter? Cause it's really bad. And I remember one thing actually is that the whole idea of this SYKM community. And I always say, I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, but I'm so happy you're here is this whole community is bittersweet for me is like, I've met so many beautiful people and individuals, and I've made some amazing friends here. And I've seen friendships um, been made too in the SYKM community. And it's just, it feels so wonderful to have this community of support. And, and I say sisterhood, but there are some brothers here. Um, and that's the sweetness of it. But the bitterness is, is that we're all going through or have gone through uh, loving someone with an addiction and the strength, the pain and the struggle that comes with that. So it's bittersweet. Have you ever caught yourself saying that? Okay, this is bittersweet. Like maybe you're leaving a position or a job and you're like, okay, it's sweet because I'm going to have all this time to myself, but it's bitter because I'm going to miss all my colleagues and friends. So this idea is, is that there is this intermingling of bittersweet and she encourages us to embrace it, to recognize that it's there and that it's actually can help us. And sometimes we're going on this relentless positivity path um, and that she she challenges it. She says, that's overrated. If we can just embrace this idea of bittersweet, that it could help us in so many ways. So she also talks about this idea of bitter and sweet, that emotions can actually, they don't just like, it's just like you're in sadness um, and you're in happiness. It's not like that. This compartmentalization of emotions isn't, isn't really accurate. And so this idea with emotions is that the bitter and the sweet can merge and that where we have pain, we can also have joy. And these feelings can harmonize as opposed to clash. And so I invite you to really look at that because it can help us, right? Like, you know, the idea of sadness means that we are caring. The idea of um, sadness or pain brings out compassion in others, brings out compassion in ourselves. So there's the sweetness in pain. And so this idea is, is that uh, she's encouraging us to notice like that our compassion is birthed out of bitter, our caring is birthed out of bitter situations and grief and things like that. And that sometimes the bitter kind of pushes us to seek out, you know, warm embrace. It seeks out, we seek out support and compassion and really that they are intermingling. So I, I love that message in her book. And she also talks about this idea that the way that we meet our pain actually can define who we are. And this is so powerful. And this is a positive psychology thing too, is that whereas if we're just pretending bad things aren't happening or putting the blinders on or sweeping it under the carpet, or maybe we're out of the relationship, we start dating really quick because we want like someone to ease that loneliness. The idea is, is that you want to sit. And I always say it like this. You want to sit in the wet diaper, so to speak. So it's like being with those bitter emotions and how we kind of meet our 
our pain is really, really crucial and important. So her suggestions is uh, her suggestions are that we we turn to pain as a productive force. We can see the pain as a productive force in our life and that it can actually help us. That, you know, um, she talks about how trauma, abuse and pain and loss, they're all senseless and they seem unfair, but they are also inevitable. So that means, and as we can tell, when you also, when you're in the world of loving someone with an addiction, whether you've lost the person, whether you've moved on, whether they've disappeared in your life, like my situation, then the pain is inevitable. It's not inevitable that you're going to have an addicted loved one in your life, although the statistics are high, but the pain, trauma, abuse, letdown, disappointment, that is a part of being life. And that's her message in this book. So it's how we show up. It's when we listen to our pain, when we listen to what it's saying, listen to the importance of the pain, that's where we can really, really become what what she referred to and what Carl Jung refers to as the wounded healer, that we can start to heal, that we can start to show up and maybe support others. And so this bittersweetness kind of teaches us that pain exists alongside joy, just like love exists alongside loss and inspiration exists alongside despair. So if we turn away from the negative, we are also turning away from all the good. That's the message in her book. This idea of bittersweet is so important. So if we turn away from the bitterness of life, we're also turning away from the sweetness of life. Like life might seem you know, more bearable without pain. But if we didn't have pain, our joy would also be muted. Now, I know when you're in the muck, you're thinking, oh my gosh, how can I even like think that way? It's like, what? But there are studies that show that they found when people accepted their negative emotions and actually experienced these emotions and kind of sat with them and let that be, you know, have them married alongside possibilities of moments of sweetness or seeing the sweetness in life. Um, the studies show that we are actually able to um, be kind of experience less stress in our life. And we're actually able to kind of self-regulate a little bit more effectively when we are meeting these feelings. On. It's kind of like the summary I did before of no bad parts. It's like, there's no bad parts. They're all there for a reason. So the author really teaches us that we can avoid pain and suffering, but and because it touches us all. And so we all have this pain that's afflicted on us, but we can listen to our pain. It can tell us what we need to do. Our pain can communicate. So one of her suggestions too is this idea and this Buddhist practice of the loving kindness meditation. And I love this one. And I should actually probably put it on the podcast at some point. Um, it's also about this idea of meta. It's allowing you to move from pain to love. So you're moving through pain to love and just through repeating some simple mantras and just repeating some things such as like, you know, may you be free from danger or may you be free from suffering or, you know, may I be free from danger? May I be safe? May I be happy? May I be calm? All those things, just repeating these mantras, this loving kindness meditation moves us from a place of pain to a place of love. And the contrast is there is not pretending that it doesn't happen is just 
extending out um, these wonderful mantras that can help us, right? It allows us to radiate outwards and also just to begin to wish not only on ourselves these things, but also to our families and, and strangers even, right? And sending love, it helps to release the pain that has a hold on us. So when we start sending out love to ourselves, to others, it helps to release the, the hold that pain has on us. So we're marrying sweetness with bitter. So I thought that was so interesting too. And she talks in her book too about working with the bitter can actually make life sweet. So, you know, we lose a lot when we think of ourselves as winners. And we have, she talks about our society and how we're always about win, win, win. We have to be happy all the time. And, you know, and so we're constantly projecting positivity, you know, but yet it, we're not consistently happy. And that's normal. That's what it means to be human. And so she talks in her book of instead of, um, she talks about pretending that um, that things aren't happening and basically plastering a smile on our face and just, you know, grinning and burying it, right? It's never going to make those the, the pain go away and it can actually make us feel worse. And one of the examples is if you have a really yummy, big chocolate cake in the fridge, the more you try not to think about that chocolate cake in the fridge, the more you're going to think about it. It's like, you know, you're really like, you're looking for it and you're thinking about it and you're, it's making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's the same thing. When we pretend that things aren't going on, it actually has a counteractive effect. And so putting a smile on over negative feelings only makes us feel worse. And it's actually a phenomenon in psychology that's called amplification. It actually makes things amplify and be worse. So the more you try not to think about something, the longer it's going to loom in your mind, right? So what are you trying not to think about right now? <laughs> I know for me, it was my addicted loved one. I just constantly was trying not to think about him, but my whole, my, it was hard not to, and let, rightfully so. I was so worried and absorbed with him and concerned. And, and that's totally very common, especially when you love someone with an addiction. What she is suggesting is that we we honor those emotions. And she talks about this idea of expressive writing. So it's not pretending that we're not, I, I have to say, I had so much anger, I had so much frustration in there. I had so much I was dealing with. I still have it. I always think like, you, like you're a coward. Like you literally text broke up with me and had a friend come get all your stuff. Like coward. There's a lot of anger there I had. So the idea, and I still have it a little, so journaling. And so she talks about uh, expressive writing in her book. And actually she talks about the science behind getting it out of your head and thinking about it all the time and putting it onto paper. And so this idea of free writing or this idea of expressive writing, getting that frustration, that anger out um, is really powerful and can really help you. I know it helped me so much. And they, they talked about studies too, where they had two groups and they had people write for 20 minutes in each group. But the first group wrote about their problems like bereavement, stress, grief, disappointment. And the other group just wrote about like mundane topics like, you know, cycling or walking or nature, or what they're wearing. And so they did this once for three days. And at the end of the three days, 
after just 60 minutes of expressive writing, the first group was actually calmer, happier, and less stressed than the second group. And the follow-up test months later, they basically said that the first group had lower blood pressure, they had fewer health issues, and they were more successful at work. And so that study alone just shows that the power of expressive writing. It sounds so simple and it's one of her major author tips in the book. And I can't, I cannot tell you how much it helped me. I literally over here have this red book um, and it's red because that to me represents rage and anger. And I just would go in there and half of it you can't read because I was so angry as I was writing it. And it just made me feel so good to get it out. And then by the end, it's like, ah, relief. And then it was like, I didn't have to sit in the bitterness. I could actually find the sweetness in my life. And sometimes even while I was journaling, by the time I got to the end, it's like, okay, it got, gets me to the sweet stuff. So, so the more we try to pretend that we're not angry, if we're not upset, that we're, you know, not in grief, we're not disappointed, we're not holding on to what I call secondhand shame. Um, it's not going to work. Repressing these feelings doesn't actually make it go away. So the idea here is that we work with the bitter so that we can make our life more sweet. And that's her message, right? So whatever that means to you, coming up with some wonderful strategies to help you, whether that's expressive writing, whether that's, you know, um, writing down all those feelings, whether that's um, what I used to do too, is I write them all on post-it notes. As I was thinking of my frustrations, I write them on post-it notes and I'd put them all in this metal tin and I would just burn them. Or if I got mail from him, I would rip up the mail and just say things on my frustration, my bitter um, anger, like getting it out, working with it, right? It makes sense that I'm angry. Look at this. And yeah, so that kind of thing. So I hope that helps you. That's one of the things she talks about in her book and, and this idea of bittersweet, right? Embrace and embracing um, the bitter so that we can enjoy the sweet. So I encourage you to look at what you can gain if you are, you know, if you engage with your misfortunes, your failed, uh, whatever it is that you feel is like you failed at. It's like just being truthful with it, like in, in recognizing that, you know, a lot of amazing things can get birthed out of bitter things, but don't move there too quickly, like work with the bitter and have those, you know, have those emotions um, co coincide and, and live together. And, um, and then think about all, you know, there can be a fresh start, there can be a repaired relationship, there can be a new relationship, even there can be a sense of purpose that's birthed out of something like for me, um, there are things that can be gained because of loss, and not in spite of it, right. And so I love this message in this book. So I'm curious, right? Like how can you open your heart to pain and, and, and allow that to also open your heart to joy? And how can this idea of bittersweet help you? Definitely put it in the chat box. Definitely message me, um, right? Like how can you not only accept, but lean into your sorrow, your grief, your, you know, because you're human and what we're going through, especially when you love someone with an addiction, it is so hard. It is so hard and you're not alone. You're not alone. We are here for you. And 
And so if we can pair these experiences alongside joy, like how would that help you? I know for me, I used to put like, I used to put this line down the middle and I would start with the bitter. Like if you have something that, you know, you're struggling with, or maybe something that's been bothering you and, you know, and and start with something kind of simple and then write down everything that's bitter about it. Like I'm fearful of this. I'm scared that I'm not going to find anybody to date, or I'm scared. Like my fears are this, and I'm worried that, you know, blah, 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 like write it all down on the bitter side, but then also, okay, the joy of this, well, what are the benefits of that? Like, what if, what if in the positive, right? And think about the sweetness that could be birthed out of that, or that already exists coinciding beside it. And then working with that bitter, processing it, getting it out, Um, whether that be through, I always call it rage raving, like dancing to music. I remember one of our group huddles. So we have group huddles every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. One of the group huddles, we literally rocked it out. We had a rage rave to We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. It was so fun. Anyway, so like rage, rage, give it out, maybe go running, whatever it is for you that's going to help you work with the bitter. Um, maybe it's going to a calm yoga class or maybe it's uh, writing. As you know, I'm a big advocate of self-care, self-compassion, finding courage to focus on you as well as community. Reaching out here into community is one of the great ways to also work with the bitter so that life can be more sweet. So that's about it. I hope that you got a lot out of this concept of bittersweet, and I am going to put this up to the podcast as well. Um, I hope that you're tapping into all your resources here and you're feeling this loving community of support. We're here for you. And, um, and also the me first challenge. Oh my gosh. I hope that you can join us because we're going to have so much fun. We are going to have so much fun every single day for 30 days. We are going to have little fun inspirations and exercises and just neat things you can do to help start taking back your power to put you first. Because I know I was on the bottom of the totem pole and I slowly had to like, actually, I'm going to put myself on the top. And it's like this idea of putting yourself first is the first step um, of being courageous to put your life back together. So don't for a second let someone else's problem or addiction destroy the person you're supposed to be destroy, you know, or take away from your happiness. Don't let that happen any longer. And the first step, the very first step is this idea of putting you first. So we're going to do this me first challenge starting September 1st, get in on that. You can sign up at the website. It's saving you is killing me.com slash me first. And you can sign up there. And I'm so excited because Oh, it's going to be so much fun. I'm creating the calendar as we speak. So it's going to be so much fun. I hope you can join us. So thank you, everybody. And I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you soon. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.